We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for December 29th, 2013. This will be our last teaching for 2013, which I kind of view as a miracle we made it actually through 2013 without anything majorly cataclysmic happening. Um, really, to me, that just demonstrates the evidence of God's mercy. Uh, on this planet, obviously things are going to happen at some point uh, on a large scale. We're going to kind of be talking about that whole subject today. Um, from a religious standpoint, from a uh, political, economic standpoint, from a martial law standpoint, kind of going over some of those things. And then at the end, I wasn't going to do this, but I added on, kind of last minute, about 24 pages of just simple, effective, cost-effective, um, powerful detoxes <clears throat> that you can do. And there's not just one way we're looking at detox. There's a lot of different ways you can actually detoxify. And um, these are some of the, the best I've seen and most cost-effective and easiest that you can kind of do in a do-it-yourself stuff. So we'll get into that at the end. I'm not going to go into great detail on every single detox. The information will be there, though, that you can reference and um, have that. So the first report is entitled, Atheists Work With Us for Peace. And the Pope says this on Xmas. And uh, if you've seen my recent things I've sent out, I've covered this, I don't know how many times over the course of the ministry, um, <clears throat> the word, and we covered this in the last teaching regarding the word Christmas, meaning essentially uh, Christ, Mass, meaning like a death ceremony. So it's literally, if you say Mary Xmas, it's like saying Mary death of Christ. And obviously most people have, have no clue that that's what it means, and they're not being mean when they say it, but the devil, again, loves to get advantage of us uh, when we're ignorant of his devices. So, that's why the Bible warns against it. So, this first report's put out by Reuters, and um, so the Pope's wanting to uh, work with atheists now. This is right out of Vatican City. Pope Francis celebrating his first uh, Xmas as a Roman Catholic leader on Wednesday called on atheists to unite with believers. So now he's calling on just told people that don't even believe in God anymore to unite with believers of all religions, everywhere. Hindu, Buddhist, Mormon, Jehovah Witness, Seventh-day Adventist, everybody, you name it. All on one page, all united together. Doesn't that sound like kind of what the Bible predicts is going to happen as far as a one world religious system? Under Antichrist and false prophet? Yeah. So he called all atheists to unite with believers of all religions and work for a, quote, homemade peace that can spread across the world. Speaking to about 70,000 people from the central balcony at St. Peter's Basilica, the same spot where he emerged to the world as Pope when he was elected on March 13th of this, last, of this year, Francis also made another appeal for the environment to be saved from human greed and rapacity. Human greed and rapacity. Now what does that word rapacious mean? 
Well, the definition exactly is given to seizing for plunder or the the satisfaction of greed. Inordinately greedy, predatory, extortionate. If that is not a perfect description of the Catholic black devil death cult going all the way back to its inception around 325 AD, I don't know what is. They've been all of those things times a hundred. Given to seizing for plunder. They're the one, they're, and I'm going to get into that in a second. The, one of the most absolute, most decadently richest organizations, whatever you want to call them, on planet Earth. Given to seizing for plunder or satisfaction of greed, inordinately greedy, predatory, and extortionate. It's a big reason that they've had the confessionals for so long as well. I'm not saying it goes on as much today, maybe as it did at one time, but you go there, you spill the beans, they know what you know you know, and they can you know use extortion against you, blackmail you, these types of things, predatory. So, man, unbelievable this could utter from this devil's mouth. All of the things his death cult is so unbelievably guilty of, and he's calling, he's making an appeal to humanity to be saved from human greed and rapacity. And my comment here is how ironic this mouthpiece of Satan dares to utter this, quote, appeal to humanity, given the rapacious history of the black death cult known as the Roman Catholic Church. Unbelievable. There's a book that was written called The Vatican's Billions. You can still get it. I had a copy at one time. So many books I've just given away over the years. I've had a lot of things said to me. Just no way I... Maybe when I'm offline or wherever, when when things, you know, and then there's no more internet, and, and maybe I'll have time, but I have had so many people send me so many things, DVDs and book, and I, I just can't even get to them. There's just no way. I mean, one person trying, you know, to kind of do all of the day-to-day stuff uh, in a ministry kind of this size, and I'm not bragging, I'm just saying it's, it's, it's a ton, and um, since I started the Health Corners, the emails have really ramped up, and uh, it's been. That's why I've had to go to every two weeks, essentially, because I just I can't do study every week now. Um, but at one time, I had this book, and it's called "The Vatican's Billions" by Arvro Manhattan. Now that's a name, Arvro Manhattan. That's a name. Anyway, um, there's a link to the book here. You can actually read the whole thing online, if you like. You don't even have to buy it. Uh, if you try to get, I, I saw on Amazon, if you tried to get, like, certain copies, I mean, it's it's expensive. It's like one of those out-of-print books that's, like, mega, mega expensive. And I'm just going to um, read you a little bit from, I think, the first chapter here, where it starts out by quoting Matthew 6.21, where your treasure is there... Will also there will your heart be also? 
this is in regard to the Catholic Church. The historical genesis of the Vatican's accumulation of wealth, Roman Catholicism, which claims to be the one true church, is the richest of the rich, the wealthiest institution on earth. How come that such, such an institution, ruling in the name of Jesus Christ, who had not even a pillow upon which to rest his head, is now so top-heavy with riches that she can rival, indeed, that she can put to shame the combined might of the most redoubtable financial trusts, of the most potent industrial supergiants, and of the most prosperous global corporations of the world. It would crush them. In other words, the Roman Catholic Church. The startling contradiction of this tremendous riches of the Roman Catholic Church with the direct teaching of Christ concerning their uh, unambiguous rejection, is too glaring to be bypassed, tolerated, or ignored by even the most indifferent of believers. Even many prominent Catholic clergymen throughout history have denounced this obvious, unbiblical travesty. In other words, Christ not even having a place to lay his head. The apostles, you know, silver and gold have I not, you know, as, as, as was said in um, Acts. You know, it's not like they were going around rich. I mean, they essentially died... Most of them, I would say, penniless, and they were died martyrs' deaths. Jesus Christ being the first example. And now you have these religious institutions using, trying to ride on the coattails of Jesus Christ. And this isn't just the Roman Catholic Church, obviously. You can, you can look at Kenneth Copeland with his literal airport and his fleet of jets and a, a ton of other, other of these prosperity preachers that are out there that have just you know, through a lukewarm, watered-down, uh, perverted gospel-slash-theological stance, tickle your ears, they've gotten to be millionaires, some of them billionaires. Particularly with the advent of TV. Because, you know, you can always send in your $20 for your lucky uh, shamrock prayer cloth. So, you know, you can get healed with it. And garbage ploys like that. I mean, just bringing a reproach, trying almost, it's almost like seemingly they're trying to bring a reproach to the name of Christianity, all for the sake of rapacity, inordinate greed, predatory. All the things that most of these institutions are, are guilty, I mean, so many, I'm sorry, are, are guilty of. And then you get to just the local churches employing all of these seeker-friendly tactics that are being employed now to get the masses into the church and, 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 and God forbid, they offend anybody, you know. But they're doing this by preaching a false gospel. They're not doing it by, by staying in the Word of God. They don't even have... King James Bibles in those types of churches. If, if they have any Bibles at all, they would, they'll, they'll probably paraphrase everything or whatever, and you come in and they have big overheads and stuff that they put stuff in me. They don't encourage anybody to even bring a Bible, even if it's a false Bible, I believe, a lot of these churches. Not all, but a lot of them don't. You know, just one less thing you have to carry. So, anyway, um, going back to this quote from about the Catholic Church, um, even many prominent Catholic clergymen throughout history have denounced this obvious unbiblical travesty, but when the Catholic Church did not silence them, she ignored them, or at most considered them utterances of religious innocence to be tolerated, as long as her revenue was not made to suffer. Don't mess with her money. You know? 
The love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money, not money, the love. What, whenever that happened though, in other words, when they started to affect the money, the Vatican did not hesitate to resort to the most prompt and drastic coercion to silence anyone capable of setting those motions in force. I mean, you heard me when I read if, if um, the, uh, the Jesuit oaths that they take, extreme unction or whatever, a Jesuit unction oath or whatever, you can look it up at the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. I mean, those oaths are way more radical than even the Freemasonic oaths at the highest levels. I mean, murder is, you know, that's just something you do to protect the mother, whore, Catholic, devil, death church as a Jesuit. So, this shouldn't really surprise us. Um, the Vatican did not hesitate to resort to the most prompt and drastic coercion to silence anyone capable of setting those motions in force within or outside her that could potentially divest her of her wealth. This policy was not confined only to some uh, critical or peculiar period of Catholic history. It became a permanent characteristic throughout almost two millennia. In other words, this is just the way they do business, literally. This feature, besides causing immense sorrow to the most fervent of Catholics, became the cause of countless disputes, not only with the principalities of this world, whom she challenged with her incessant quest for yet more temporal tributes, but equally with vast sections of Christendom itself. This book, if you get it, it's, well, or of course you can go up there and read it. It's written at a very, very high linguistic level. Um, it's, they use a lot of words, <laughs> they're pretty heavy duty. So, I'm just saying, it's not an easy read, this book, from what I could see. Um, I, I'm always one to, even with my studies, I try not to get into too high and lofty technical words and stuff, people that maybe a large swath of society may not know exactly that definition. Sometimes it's because it's in a, a niche area where you wouldn't know exactly about that. I'm not saying I've always succeeded there, but I try to make it where people can understand what I'm saying. Not to try to speak so high and lofty that you narrow the range of your audience to like 1-2% to of the population. It's one thing I don't like about that book. You know, because I, I, I started reading this this first chapter. I actually, I even changed some of the verbiage here to make it a little more easier to understand for, you know. Not, I'm not saying that everybody can, but I'm just saying it's it's not, I mean, I'm a doctor. I went to school for, you know, six years. I took 25 credit hour load for four years straight at the very end, which is like a double a full load, essentially. You know, past my Florida boards first time I tried, I mean, I... I graduated cum laude, I mean, I, 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 I'm not, like, a stupid person, and I mean, I had a hard time, you know, when I was just starting to read the book, I'm like, wow, man, gotta be a Rhodes Scholar like Bill Clinton to read this, oh, sorry, just kidding, anyway, well, he is a Rhodes Scholar, but doesn't really, uh, speak too highly to that Rhodes Scholarship program, anyway, so let's go back to the main story, the leader of the 1.2 billion member church wove his first Urbi et Orbi, which means to the city world, message 
around the theme of peace. This is good old um, Pope, uh, otherwise was known before this as Bergoglio, uh, before he was at, uh, um, before he became Pope this last time. Uh, now he's Pope Francis. So, peace is a daily commitment. It is a homemade peace, he said. He said the people of other religions were also praying for peace. And departing from his prepared text, he urged atheists, who are people that don't believe in God at all. Now the Bible says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. Only a fool would say there's no God. You know what I mean? Even other religions acknowledge a many times a supreme deity. They, although they may be on their way to hell, they at least have the brains in their head to acknowledge a supreme deity of some sort. You know, um, but he urged atheists to join forces with believers. Um, my comment on this. Whereas the word of God states, because he keeps keen on peace, peace, peace. This Pope Francis. Well, and he's asking, he's urging atheists to join forces with the believers in Catholicism, and, and I guess all religions. The Bible says, and even you've heard me say these verses many times, but 2 Corinthians 6.14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So he's totally going against what scripture says. But when again, when did the scripture ever matter to, to any of these popes? It doesn't. It only when it suits whatever little pet thing they want to get into on a given whatever. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord, meaning agreement, hath Christ with Belial, Belial meaning like the devil, or what part hath he that believeth, meaning in this particular case, if you want to really, if it was being applied properly, he that believeth would be a Bible-believing, born-again Christian. What part hath he that believeth with an infidel? An infidel could be somebody that is um, was in was was a believer and became apostate, uh, like a heretic, or somebody that's just an unbeliever in the Word of God. In in the uh, so anyway, then he goes on to say, Pope Francis, I invite even non-believers to desire peace. Join us. With your desire, because see, everybody desires peace, right? Whether you're an atheist, whether you're Hindu, Buddhist, or what, I mean, the Muslims want, they, they want jihad and kill everybody. But most people in most religions, even if they're apostate religions, just want peace. They just, most of them just want to be kind of left alone. They, they, they don't want to have a boot across their neck. They don't want to be thrown into a prison. They don't want to be, you know, beheaded or, or tortured or whatever. They just want peace. I get that. Okay, I get that. And that's why this is such a good rallying point for Satan to appeal to the notion of peace. Because, hey, we can all get on board with that. Whether you're some, you know, secular person in New York City or whether you live out in the the country and go to a Baptist church or wherever you are on planet Earth, pretty much everybody wants peace. Most people. 
Maybe anarchists don't, but anyway. This is a desire that widens the heart. Oh, the heart that's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know? Yeah, that, that same heart. Anyway, then he says, let us all unite, either with prayer or with desire, but everyone for peace. What a fork-tongued devil. He said, drawing, drawing sustained applause from the crowd, all 70,000. Well, what, what does the Bible have to say about people like Bergoglio, Pope Francis, here? What does the Bible have to say about them? What does the Bible have to say about this end-time notion of peace? Okay, Now, the only one that's going to bring peace to this planet is the Prince of Peace when he comes at the end of the Tribulation period. Okay, and then launches us into the millennial, thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. That's, that's, that's the only time we're going to have peace. Okay? We're not going to have it before then. There's no Bible for us having it. In fact, it's the exact opposite. Read Matthew 24. All the stuff leading up to the tribulation and then going through the seven-year trib with, in like what Daniel and Revelation describe. It's not going to be peaceful. Yes, there may be times of false peace. Okay, but... It's not going to be true peace. What does the Bible say about people like good old Francis and Pope Francis? Well, 2 Peter 2.17 starts out by saying, These are wells, these people like Pope Francis are wells without water. Clouds that are carried with a tempest. Tempest would be like a storm. To whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great well, swelling words of vanity like he just did, asking atheists to unite with believers, and he said so many evil things since he's been in there. And I tell you, the gays love him. I mean, even the pro-abortion people. Because he's basically said, just come on, let's lay off the gays. You know, he hasn't taken any kind of stance even on abortion. He's even said things that, that were almost favorable to that. So, of course, the world's going to love him. But the Bible says that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Francis is an abomination in the sight of God, even though he claims to be the vicar of Christ. Vicar meaning substitute. All popes take that title. What an abomination. Blasphemous abomination. Talk about no fear of God. I mean, if you were if you were Pope, man, you talk about no fear of God at all. You've proclaimed yourself God on earth, essentially. Substitute for Jesus Christ on this planet. I don't know how you could have any less fear of God than that. And yet he claims to represent him. All of the irony I'm trying to kind of, you know, point out in this whole thing. That Catholics just love to ignore Unbelievable. And yet they claim to be, quote, religious. And followers of Jesus Christ. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. But it's a result of continuing in his word. They're not continuing his word. They don't even have a correct Bible. 
The American Standard Bible was the, the standard Catholic Bible. I don't even know what it's morphed into now. But it's, a, it's from a corrupt, two corrupt texts, two corrupt Catholic manuscripts that were translated by two corrupt devils, pagan devils, essentially, Westcott and Horton, 1881, that spawned all these new Bible versions. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Psalm 11, verse 3. Well, the foundation's been destroyed. They don't even have the true word of God to follow. It's been corrupted. It's been leavened, as the Bible would say. Bad doctrine. What do you expect? If the blind leadeth the blind, they'll both fall into a ditch. You have Pope Francis, a blind devil, with no fear of God whatsoever, that is literally pro, taking a pro-homosexual, pro-abortion stance, in some cases, he's leaning toward that. We'll definitely point everyone to the Antichrist, the false prophet, when they make their big debut. The Catholic Church has been setting their, their flock up on that one for a long, long time. I've documented this all over and over again. Just key in, um, like Pope, um, or UFO, or whatever, when all that goes down. They'll be right on the spear tip there. They're just waiting. All of this is just being staged for to get humanity to buy into the, into the really, really big lie that's coming, and that's the Antichrist and the false prophet. And the false peace they claim they'll bring. So, for when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lusts of the flesh. Well, like I said, everybody wants peace, right? I know that that wouldn't be consumed like a, a fleshly lust, but people are desperate for that. And they're going to be real desperate after whatever the New World Order is going to spring on humanity globally that's most likely going to re- lead to World War III. They're really going to be desperate for peace then. Through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. We're supposed to try to get away from these types of people that are trying to bring you to hell, essentially. Trying to get you off into heresy. We're supposed to escape from them. We're not supposed to just be yoked up with them and go along to get along. There's no Bible for any of that. I don't see any apostles that did. I don't see Jesus Christ doing it. Now, what does that word wantonness mean? In the biblical usage, it means unbridled lust, excess, shamelessness, insolence. Next verse, verse 19, 2 Peter. While they promised them liberty, like Pope Francis is doing here, while they promised them liberty, liberty to do, be who you are. If you're an atheist, you're still going to heaven. I'm going to give you that liberty to believe that. Boy, that's a real wide latitude of liberty, even though there's no Bible for that type of latitude. Well, he makes me feel good. I'm, 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 I'm a homosexual and, and I don't have to worry about what God did to Sodom and Gomorrah or how in the, in the Old Testament it was always a death sentence if two men were caught together or two women. It was a death sentence. Why? Because it literally said they defiled the land when they committed those sexual acts. See, there's something spiritual going on we can't see. It's defiling the land. Just like child sacrifice, human sacrifice defiles the land as well. Literally brings curses on the land. The more homosexual, bisexual perversion you have going on in a given area 
the worse and the more cursed the land becomes. That's why cities, which are a mecca for attracting that type of behavior, are more wicked by far than when you go out into the country. The Bible says, Woe unto them that join house unto house and field unto field. What's joining house unto house? Like an apartment complex. Or like a city as well. The houses are just jam-packed in there. You might have, I don't know, doing some type of um, human sacrifice. Or engaging in some type of really, really perverted uh, sexual act. Or or um, animal or human sacrifice. These types of things. That could be going on literally next door to you. Well, that might affect you. If you're, like, literally in the same housing complex. Now, I'm not saying, I understand. Everybody just can't get out of their current situation. I'm just telling you that these are things you can pray about and ask God to try to maybe move you out. And in any way, that type of situation is the last place you want to be in the end times when things get bad anyway. In a city, in an apartment complex, or someplace like that. Not the greatest place to be, uh, for a lot of different reasons. So, while they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption, which is a more true statement about Pope Francis, I don't know you can make. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same he is brought in bondage. See, when you're a Catholic, those spirits are very, very powerful over those Catholics. You ever tried to witness to a Catholic? You could have the nicest person who's a Catholic, and you will see the fangs come out just about every time if you push if you push it with them. My grandma Myers was a great example of that. Sweet lady. Never I don't even can't even remember her even getting mad. Me going up to Ohio in the summers to visit them. Her and my grandpa and in um, my mom's uh, brothers who still live with them when I was little. But man, when I try when I got saved and I started to try to witness to her, and I was I sent her like that tape on like the Marian apparitions and some of these people that were literally Catholic priests and nuns that had come out of the Catholic Church and their testimonies. I mean, it wasn't like it was me saying it. Oh man. Don't you ever send me anything like that again. I mean, where'd this come from? It, demons, that's where. It's generation, it's like generational bondage. It's like being caught in generational witchcraft. Those devils linger. They go into the next generation. Even even ones that have come out of the Catholic Church, jaded Catholics, like my mom, and I work with a lady named Pat, they I could still see it. Certain things, even when you brought even though they were disgusted with their Catholic experience. A lot of them had went to Catholic um, schools. There were certain things that you still didn't want to say about the Catholic Church. They would get offended. And they were supposedly against this because those same devils still linger. When you go through all those catechisms and all this other garbage, it's like being a Freemason. You take your oaths, you get a different devil for every oath you take. Or maybe several. Maybe it's the two-for-one plan. I don't know. I don't know exactly. You can't see it. Unless you have your third eye open, and, you know, that's not a good thing. So you're, you're taking on devils as you take do different things within the Catholic system. Infant baptism, totally unbiblical. Anyway, so, for of whom a man is overcome, of the same he's brought into bondage.
You are in that Catholic system. You have been overcome. And you are in bondage. You have chains around you. You just don't see them. And it blinds you to the truth. You can't see. That's why a lot of times, I, I think, where, where Jesus said, this kind cometh out, meaning this kind of devil cometh out, not but by prayer and fasting. Certain people, that's the only way they'll get delivered, is if you pray and fast for them. It's, it's not everybody, but I, I think um, Catholic devils are very powerful. They're very, very stubborn. Very, very generational. From, from what I've seen, and I'm not any kind of expert on deliverance, but I'm just saying, from what I've seen, they're very hard to reach. doesn't matter how many facts you put in their face, all the unbiblical stuff that goes on in the Catholic Church, all the things that are totally against the Bible, doesn't matter. They don't want to hear it. The mind's made up. Don't confuse them with the facts. And then the next verse, verse 20, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world... Through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled. Meaning, like, okay, you made a profession, okay, for Jesus Christ. Um, you you um, said you're saved or whatever, but you escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse than the beginning. So that's a warning to really all of us. The latter end is worse than the beginning if you are again entangled in the world and and overcome. See, we're supposed to be overcomers through Christ Jesus. The Bible says, they that endure to the end, the same shall be saved. Okay? Enduring to the end. Well, then it's workspace. No, I don't believe that. I believe that the Holy Spirit lives inside you. He equips you and gives you everything you need to endure to the over and to be an overcomer. Okay, not to say that we're going to walk around in sinless perfection either. Paul said, oh, what a wretch of a man that I am. Who should deliver me from the body of this death? The things that I should do, I don't do. And the things that I should do, I, or the things that I shouldn't do, I do. So Paul wasn't perfect. He said, oh, what a wretch of a man that I am. Now, do we use liberty? This liberty that they talk about here for an occasion in the flesh? That, I mean, this is the true liberty in Christ. No, we're not supposed to do that either. So there's a balance, is what I'm saying here, that has to be struck. Um, but these are people that fall away and are overcome, and you cannot renew them to repentance. Why? Because they're incapable of repenting anymore. They may even want to repent. But they can't do it. It's not in them. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has to draw you to get saved and the Holy Spirit lives inside you as a saved person. So, the Holy Spirit enables you and gives you that power in order to do that. If the Holy Spirit's not there, you can't do it. You can't do it. You could try to muster something up, maybe within your own flesh. It won't last, though. It won't be true. Then, and then it goes, says, For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. And again, you can look at the, the seed that falls on the four types of soil. Three types of the soil it doesn't actually take. It's only on the last one which bears actually fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. 
So the seed can fall, you can supposedly have what appears to be some type of conversion for Christ, but three out of, it says three out of four times that happens, the seed won't take all the different types of grounds. So I think that would fall under this classification of somebody that is overcome of the world and, and then, um, again, entangled in the world and then overcome. And then it's, and then they become hardened. Their conscience becomes seared with a hot iron and you cannot renew them under repentance anymore. And it's a done deal. And then, in that case, it had been better for them to have not known the way of righteousness than after they've known it to turn from the Holy Commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed in her wallowing in the mire. That's how they describe it going back and totally living like the devil, essentially. Maybe the way you live prior to conversion. Totally going back into that. Having your conscience sewer the hot iron. Um, probably most likely being turned over to a reprobate mind, according to Romans 1. You know, the Spirit speaketh expressly also that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. They're going to depart from the faith. Why? Because they're giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Doctrines of devils would be what Pope Francis is saying here. Everything about the Catholic Church, doctrines of devils. And they're seducing spirits associated with the doctrines of devils. It's not just the doctrines of devils. It's the seducing spirits working on your mind that you can't see. That get you to want to embrace the doctrines of devils. And then they speak lies in hypocrisy, and then they have their conscience seared with a hot iron, according to 1 Timothy 4.1. It's all a natural progression. I'm going to actually quote that verse later. but Oh, actually, no, it's right now. <laughs> um, they're coming up here. Anyway, so, this at this point in the study, I, I found this other little thing I wanted to add in. It was, it's called the Eastern Exodus. Now, it reminded me, because I've heard a lot about Pro, who they term as Protestants going and converting to Catholicism. Huge movement. And also to Orthodox, supposed Orthodox Christianity, which is nothing more than really a, like, you know, rebranded form of Catholicism. You know, the Orthodox Church. This is entitled Eastern Exodus. This was from 2007, April 30, 2007. So you can imagine how much it might, how much worse it might be today, six years later. Over six, really. Some Protestant leaders are leaving their evangelical roots for Catholic and Orthodox churches. What's behind the trend? Last May, a well-known Protestant and founder of the pro-life group, Operation Rescue, which is like, it's pro-life. They're, they're trying to rescue you know, these babies, they're trying to go to the clinics and do these things, you know, where they're picketing and protesting and praying and these types of things. If you've ever been to any of the of the abortion clinics, you're going to see Catholics there. I know I have. Okay. He made, his name is Terry Randall. He was the literal founder, Protestant founder of the pro-life group Operation Rescue, Terry Randall, made a seemingly bizarre announcement. He was converting to Roman Catholicism. And he is not alone. 
According to Orthodox researcher Alexei D. Krindok, 37% of priests, 37% of priests in the Orthodox Church in America are Protestant converts. 37%? They weren't even brought up. They want to go back in to that really extreme bondage of like Orthodox or Roman Catholicism where all the, where the, you know, the big flowing robes and it's really, 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 really ritualistic and really, really, really pagan if you ask me. I mean, if you really want to boil it down, it's really pagan. They would, they would recoil in horror if you told them that, but it is. All this garbage they do in those churches is pagan has pagan in, in, in its roots. But, hey, you get to go to the big steeples and hear the pipe organs and all of the accoutrements and all of the big flowing robes and all the candles and all the incense and all that garbage for a show has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. But, oh, it makes me feel so religious. Religion will take more people to hell than any other thing that the devils ever come up with to get people in hell. Religion. Well, think about it. Most people in this world are associated with some type of religion, right? And, and dare I say, 99% of those people per capita, hopefully it's not that high. Let's say 95 plus percent, somewhere in there, are, are believing... Some either cult doctrine, false doctrine, false gospel, whatever. So religion's really the number one peep thing that gets people into, into hell, ultimately. 37% of the priests in the Orthodox Church are Protestant converts. And that was back in 07. I wonder what it is now. And more than three quarters, three quarters more, more than 75% of the seminary students at the two largest Orthodox seminaries are former Protestants. More than 75%? I would call that an exodus back into extreme cultic pseudo-Christian ritualistic bondage. Orthodox Church, Catholic Church. Bad news. This is an entirely new situation in the history of Eastern Christianity in America. 1 Timothy 4.1 In the latter times, in the end times essentially, some shall depart from the faith. Now I'm not saying all Protestant denominations are good. Okay, or perfect. Most of them, you, you couldn't even get saved if, if you go into most of those types of churches. But they're better than, than Catholicism. You know what I mean? At least you got a shot in a Protestant church. It's really, really, really tough to, I, for me to see somebody getting saved in the Catholic church. I'm not saying it couldn't happen. They read their Bible, even if it was corrupted. There's enough Bible in there. There's enough of the gospel in there that they can still... I, I mean, I, I got was led to the Lord with NIV verses. In Route to Global Occupation, the book by Gary Cobb about the New World Order and the Freemasons and the UN agenda, was NIV verses. But it wasn't, you know, when I actually really, really wanted to start serving Christ, one of the first things he ever showed me was this thing about the King James Bible. 
And then my discernment was so much more sharpened when I got a hold of that. Without me uh, embracing that, without me, with me reading perverted Bibles, God's not the author of confusion. How can we have over a hundred different versions or whatever it is now in the English language? Which one of them is correct? Well, you just don't know. Well, you, you end up reinterpreting, well, maybe it doesn't really mean that. God's not the author of confusion. That verse right alone should give you pause regarding all of the false modern Bible versions, which are totally from a different source than the King James. So, there's this mass exodus that's taking place. And the Bible predicts it. The love of many are going to wax cold in the, in the end times. Um, evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That's why the Bible urges us to contend for the faith that was earnestly, that was once delivered unto the saints in Jude. First Timothy four one. I've already said that. But let me say it again because the second part of the verse relates to this. Now the Spirit, capital S, meaning Holy Spirit, speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Now see, what if you do depart from the faith, if you're part of the faith and you depart from it, that's why the Bible says those verses I was just talking about. It had been better, if you're overcome and you're entangled in the world, it had been better not to know the way of righteousness. Well, the Bible says that of all times that we can live in, to, to expect this the most, it's in the latter times. The Holy Spirit says this expressly. Why do they depart? They give heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of devils, and then what, what happens to them? They start speaking lies and hypocrisy. And having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Things that would have bothered them before don't bother them anymore. And then what's the next verse say? Forbidding to marry. My comment, like the Catholic Church commands priests, monks, and nuns? Yeah, kind of like that. Which is a big reason you have that pedophilic priesthood. Because they've forbidden them to marry. Some people have that as a gift, the Bible says. Where they have the ability, they don't need a spouse. So that they can serve the Lord more, more in, a, in a more devoted way. The Bible clearly alludes to that. Now, I'm not saying that the, the, um, the institution of marriage is bad. I'm not saying that. The Bible doesn't say that. But some are given this like a gift, where they can just fully devote themselves to Christ. You have a you have a wife, or if you have a husband, or what you know, and then you have kids. I mean, you have to obviously a lot of time needs to go into that. But see, the Catholic Church forbids to marry with their priests, their nuns, their monks, etc. It's not natural. It's not natural. Then you have all of the devils associated with the Catholic Church which turns so many of these dudes into pedophiles, if they weren't already pedophiles to going in or, or at least gay, well, they can be all religious and act this and then have a whole bunch of 
little kitties to prey upon and then, then still have everybody look up to them. And it's the perfect cover for a, for a pedophile. Perfect cover. Catholic priest. It's, it's, it's like a pedophile's dream job. So anyway, if we go further... Matthew 24, 24 says, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. That's what's coming more so. Those, those great signs and wonders really haven't, really haven't got cranked up yet. But false prophets will do this and false Christs. They shall deceive the very like. Now the Catholics are huge over all of these supposed apparitions and you know all of these gross idol things. They'll travel all over the world to see you know paintings that seep rancid oil and and all of these supposed visions and apparitions and all of this garbage. The, the Jesus Christ said, "A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign." but no sign shall be given unto you. I mean, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after sign. It's not something we should base everything off, in other words. And we're not supposed to, I'm not saying God can't produce miracles and things of this nature, but if this is our main criteria for decision making, you will get deceived and deluded. And this is where the charismatics go so far off the deep end. I know, been there, done it. I was never the one that was supposedly, but I was instructed a lot of times, oh, if you do this or you do that or this or that. And Anyway, so you got to be really careful with that stuff. Now, my comment about Matthew 24, 24 is if there is an exodus of Christians now to the Catholic Church, imagine when this verse comes to full fruition, meaning the false Christ and the false prophets shall deceive, shall, shall show great signs and wonders insomuch if it were possible they should deceive the very elect. That hasn't even really started happening yet. Now, yes, there are a lot of Protestants that have converted because of the of the Marian apparitions or or all of these other supposed Catholic miracles. You know, you see like Mary and a loaf of bread or something. You know, the, with all of these stupid, dumb, you know, things that these Catholics just, oh, see, look, oh, wow. What is that for Satan, is my response. What is that for Satan? Nothing. If that's all it takes to get you, essentially on your way to hell and for you to totally turn your back on on the Lord on on Christ on the word of God on your faith then you know you didn't really have very much faith to begin with your faith was in some type of hope of some miracle line sign and wonder i've seen so many people you know it's like they'll 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 sell their soul for for a little sign, wonder, or supposed miracle. Even if it contradicts the word of God, even if it leads them away from God, it doesn't matter. Oh, I know because I saw it. It's real. How easy is it for the devil to do something like that? People that go to psychics, like my mom used to. 
And and I went to one with her one time. It was a, it was a, in a room where there was a whole bunch of people in there, and she was going from person to person to person reading their mail, meaning telling them stuff about them that she could not have known. How'd she know that? Familiar spirits, the familiar spirits that were attached to the person that she was talking about, even though she had never met them before, were communicating with her familiar spirit or spirits and telling them stuff. Reading their mail. And then it comes into her head by way of demonic voices. And she tells them a, um, a little thing about themselves. They'll, a lot of times for a lot of people, that's all it will take one time of them hearing something like that to just never ever even look at the Bible or turn away from it saying, I know, this is real, it happened to me. They knew this, they could have never known that, therefore this is the true path. No, it's not. Why does the Bible warn in the Old Testament, and why, the Bible says, thou shalt not suffer a witch to live in the Old Testament. It was a death sentence, just like the gays, just like the people that did child sacrifice, bestiality, incest, all that other stuff. It was a death sentence, which is why they defiled the land and they deceived people. Through necromancy, supposedly talking to the dead. The only person they're talking to is a disembodied spirit that was familiar with the actions of that person. That supposedly they're feigning and lying and representing themselves to be. Yes, but dearly departed Aunt Margaret appeared just like she looked in real life. And her voice even seemed the same. Well, the devil was mimicking that. He knew what she looked like. He knew her, how her voice sounded, and he's mimicking that. That's all he's doing. It's a simple demonic parlor trick. It's no big deal. Our God created the universe. Top that, Mr. Devil. You can't. That's all this is, okay? On all of those shows, and all the psychic stuff, all that stuff was punishable by death in the Old Testament. I've done a teaching on that, just key in witchcraft, in the search box at contendingfortruth.com. I've done several. And there's one that says um, uh, witchcraft, the uh, biblical definition of witchcraft, biblically defined, essentially. So you can learn about the different tenets of witchcraft. Ho you know, even horoscopes fall under this kind of stuff. I mean, when you get into not astrology, but uh, or, yeah, astrology, not astronomy, but astrology. Uh, not to say there's no, there's not elements of truth in these things. Okay, I'm not saying there's not. But we don't want to dabble in this stuff. We don't want to dabble in, in um, you know, I mean, you could, you could get into Ouija boards, you could get into tarot cards, you could get into to palm reading, you know, tea leaves, whatever. You know, it's all stuff you need to stay away from. And if you've done any of this stuff, you need to repent of it and confess it as a sin before God. Because it is. It's a really serious thing. And you have no idea what kind of demonic baggage you may have picked up because you did that. So, let's go further. Back to the main article. Former charismatic Protestant pastor Jeff Cabins is now a popular Catholic speaker. Um, former Camus Crusade. So, there, there's one. Char charismatic Protestant. He's now a Catholic speaker. Former Campus Cru Crusade staffer Peter Gilquist is now an Orthodox Orthodox priest, former Assemblies of God missionary, 
Don Newell is now a Catholic convert. Now, of the two, of the three we just mentioned, I know two out of the three were charismatics, essentially. One guy, charismatic. Assembly of God is Pentecostalism, which is, you know, yoked up with charismatic movement, essentially. Um, is now a Catholic convert. See, me coming out, doing some time in that movement, Assembly of God, charismatic, I could totally see how that would happen. When I taught a Bible study in the charismatic church I was at, in Cape Coral, Florida, um, I had like a, I don't know, Tuesday night Bible study, and it quickly became, I think, the most popular one in the church. We had, I don't know, 20, 30 people there. And I'd lead a Bible study. I was really unqualified to do it. I mean, I was a, I was a baby Christian, and you know, I had a lot of zeal, and I had a doctor in front of my name, so I guess it made me whatever, but... Um, we had a guy that would come there who was a charismatic Catholic. And even then, I knew Catholicism was no good. And I, I remember the day that I brought up to him, gently, not in a mean way, you know, I forget his name, but, you know, you might want to think about this. How, I mean, how are you reconciling this? Never saw him again. He didn't want to hear it. But there, with the Charismatics, that's one group that's already been set up to go back into the mother whore Catholic church. Because you've got a certain sect of Catholics that are Charismatic, tongue-talking, I mean, not biblical, like, like the Bible says all the parameters it lays out on, on tongues. No, no, it's not that at all. I mean, it's just chaos, essentially. And that's why witches love to infiltrate Charismatic churches, because they go in there, they speak their demonic tongues, they'll literally put curses over the whole congregation, and nobody's the wiser. It's well known they do that. <laughs> there was so much witchcraft going on at the Catholic Church I was at, it, it, was, it was so bad they were breaking in between services and putting bones and ashes on the, on the pews. They tried to kill me. I, I, I united against them, had a big group coming praying against them, and that was that... that Whole, uh, you want to hear the testimony about that key in supernatural in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com and it's my supernatural experiences and that was the time they tried to kill me and I had the, the uh, stinking angel of death at the foot of my bed who I believe was Azrael which is what its name is no not, not the cat on the Smurfs it's the same name but different different entity anyway yeah. And one word vanquished the angel of death. I knew it was there to kill me. One word. Jesus. Because that's all I could get out. I was so paralyzed. Not with fear, but just because I had been paralyzed. Total, total absolute, 100% demonic sleep paralysis. Paralyzed from head to toe. Couldn't even breathe. And it was curses that these witches had put on me. And me being in the Catholic Church... By virtue of that, I had open doors where they had a certain amount of, you know, access. And I think God, too, lets these things happen to test us and so that it'll build our faith because my faith was far greater after that than it was before. I really wasn't in any kind of abject sin. It's just that I think that they had done all these curses and... um to try to kill me, they had literally done two animal sacrifices outside of, in the yard, 
um, where I was staying at the time at my parents' house. They had literally done two, a cat and a rat, believe it or not. Anyway, you, you can hear about it. And who knows what else they had done behind closed doors to try to kill me. But the witches could infiltrate that church very easy. Because there were, I mean, I really believe there was, there was a lot of witches most likely um, in the hierarchy of the church. That's how they had the keys to get in anyway. They weren't breaking in. They were literally letting themselves in. You know, a, a security camera could fix that real easy. But I, I guess they didn't have that. Or if they did, they were being protected. Anyway, so going forward here. According to a 2006 study by the National Council of Churches, the fastest growing major church in the United States is neither Protestant nor Catholic. It is Eastern Orthodox. Now my comment, this is going to be assimilated in the Catholic whore soon enough. So you could say, yeah, well, you see, Catholics aren't really growing. Yeah, but the Orthodox Church will go right into the Catholic Church. When the time comes, that's going to happen. The million-member Orthodox Church in America grew at a rate of 6.4% in 2005. Compared to the Assembly of God is only a 1.8% one, uh, growth. The Roman Catholic Church has started a special organization with a website just to help convert Protestant clergy. It's chnetwork.org. I don't know if it's still there or not. chnetwork.org. This is a website the Catholics started just to convert Protestants. Entire Protestant churches have converted to Catholicism. Entire churches. We're Protestant one day. Where does that word come from? Protest. They were literally the churches that came out of the Catholic Church via Martin Luther. Like Lutherans, Martin Luther and... Those would be considered Protestants. There's other, um, uh, I guess, sects you could call them, of Christianity like the Baptists, who were not associated with that. And if you want to know more about that, get the book The Faithful Baptist Witness by Phil Stringer. Pastor Phil Stringer, who I've heard speak many, many times um, when I was in the Baptist church. Uh, really good speaker, excellent book writer. And to me, it's not about Baptist versus this or that. It's about what was the history of the church. You know, because there was always a separate line of true Christians that were not affiliated with the Catholic Church. And they call, what they'll do is they'll call everybody Protestants to lump them all into one category. No, I was never part of that, is how I view it. So. Entire Protestant churches have converted over to Catholicism, including the charismatic, here we go again with charismatic, Maranatha Christian Church in Detroit, which is now Catholic, the Vineyard Church, which is probably also charismatic, because Vineyard is associated with charismania, and its pastor in San Jose, California, which is now Orthodox, two entire Episcopalian parishes in South Carolina, and two small Nationwide denominations, um, Christ the Savior Brotherhood and Evangelical Orthodox Church. Zealous former Protestants have created several websites explaining their conversions and encouraging others to follow their example. 